Hello and welcome to A Lot of Thoughts podcast with Julia Malat. In this week's episode, I had the pleasure to sit down with Audra Fascinelli to discuss gender-critical perspectives around transgender matters. Audra came to my attention a few weeks ago when I made a video discussing a Twitter post she made about adult gender transitions. I later learned that she almost blocked me when I posted my video, but instead she thoughtfully engaged with my perspective and responded to me. Over the weeks that followed, we began chatting a little more and ultimately we came to the decision to record this podcast together. Audra and I have differing views on a number of topics, but you won't find much disagreement in today's episode. The purpose of our chat was to have a discussion, not a debate, and I believe there's tremendous value in thoughtfully listening to someone else's perspective rather than simply refuting it. Or really, I should say attempting to refute it, because otherwise I'm already presuming that my perspective is correct over hers. I learned a lot from Audra's thoughts, and I'm so thankful that she took the time to connect with me. The day after we recorded this episode, Audra fact-checked herself and actually made a correction that she'd like me to highlight. In the video, she meant to say that 16% of women are victims of sexual assault, not that 16% of men are sexual assaulters. I have deep respect for Audra for being the kind of person who fact-checks herself on these kinds of statistics. Hello, Audra. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. So this is the very first time that we've spoken in person. Yes. I, um, I'd love to quickly tell the story of how I came to discover you. So I was down in Virginia maybe three or four weeks ago, and we were driving out to Chipotle for dinner. We were at a convention, and the convention food is so expensive, and we had our car. So we're like, we're going to go and find a cheaper place to eat. And on the way there, my wife saw a tweet of yours, and it was shared by somebody else. So, And it was about Chris Tyson, who I didn't really know who that was. I had kind of heard that stuff was going on, but I, I don't follow Mr. Beast or any of that drama. But she read me this tweet, and I kind of thought there's so much there. Like it's such an interesting conversation and I related to it because it was talking about Chris Tyson and his, um, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say his or they, but whichever one, his, uh, his separation from his wife and then the transition that he announced and the complexity surrounding that. And I related to that because I have transitioned and I did so also just after I had a separation from my wife at the time. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Oh, there's so much here I want to go into. And I don't like to just respond to people's tweets because I feel like the conversation on Twitter is never a conversation. It's just kind of throwing stuff at at other people. So I thought, what if I kind of go into this a bit and explore it? And so I, uh, I went back to my hotel room and I spent the next few hours, not at the conference, but recording a video where I kind of got my thoughts out about this and I posted it, I tagged you in it and now we're here talking. Yeah. Um, and I would like to say. I felt, I tried to go back and like look at that tweet and like maybe edit it or, or something because I was like, ooh, I should have eaten breakfast first and had some <laughs> coffee and then I should have tweeted something like because I'm usually very measured and very thoughtful and that came off really angry and I was like, ooh, ooh. And so I kind of had like a lot of mixed feelings about that tweet because I, I tried to... I try to be very measured and like intentional with what I say and I think it's kind of weird it's weird to me how in my opinion like some of my best work like the stuff I'm the most proud of never goes viral but for whatever reason whatever (laughs) like like it just it blew up and I saw that you tagged me and I thought oh no and I like went to go block and I was like Okay, well, maybe I'll just listen. She has a smile on her face. Like, Julia has a smile on her face. Maybe I'll just listen. Maybe I'll just listen to Julia. Like, see see what, um, see what, uh, 
he has a say, you know, and then, um, <laughs> like, um, and then I thought about, it, I was like, you know what? He seems really cool. I think I'm going to contact, you know, and say, when, when you contact me, I was like, hey, this will be really neat. So I thought, here we go. Yeah. And you responded really quick. If I remember, it was like, I posted the video and maybe, I don't know, a few minutes later, you had, uh, you kind of responded on it. And I thought the same thing, like, oh gosh, do I even want to read this? Or should I just block you now? Cause maybe it's going to become a, a Twitter <laughs> shit show, but whatever you said back was really thoughtful. And I was like, oh, oh, this is cool. We can talk about this. And yeah, we, because we I'm normally bit, thoughtful. But... I'm normally a thoughtful <laughs> person, I swear. But honestly, I learned a big lesson, like drink coffee and eat breakfast and then tweet. <laughs> drink coffee, eat breakfast and then tweet. Mm -hmm. That I think is advice that we all could benefit from. Mm -hmm. Don't tweet when you're, <laughs> when you're hungry. Never tweet when you're hungry. Bad that, that is fair. So I'd love to pause for a moment and find out a bit about you as a person, because not only do my listeners not know you as a person, I don't even know you as a person because this is the first time we've spoken. So who is Audra Fascinelli? Is that how I say your last name? Yes, that's how, it, how you say my last name. Well, um, I'm just, you know, a normal, I, I, I look at, I think of myself as just a normal person. Um, I'm located in Ohio. I'm married. I have um, a daughter whom I love very, very much. Growing up, I was a bit of a tomboy. I, I guess I got interested in trans issues, especially with children, because of my background being a tomboy. You know, I even went so far when I was a little kid to say to my mom, hey, mom, I think I'm a boy. And she turned to me, I'll never forget this, and she turned to me and she said, well, why do you think that? And I said, well, you know, I like, I like playing with the boys and I like doing boy things. And, you know, I think I'm a boy. And she's like, Nah, that doesn't make you a boy, honey. You're not a boy, you know, go play. But I, I think back on that moment and I think, oh no, what, what would have happened to me now in like 2023, right? So I, I got really involved in like um, trans issues, like trying to understand like transness, which honestly I've gotten to a place where I think it's kind of like, you know, a fish trying to explain to, you know, somebody walking like, on land like what it's like to be a fish and the person you know you, you can't really completely explain what it's like to be a fish so in that analogy you're you're the fish or, or you're the person on land i'm the person on land and you're the fish okay. <laughs> trying to explain okay. to me what it's like to be a fish and i'm not getting it you know interesting so when you say explain, is it people talking about like their lived experience, the whole, this is what I feel, this is why, right. or what, what piece of it is it? I think it's just the piece of, well, the first trans woman I ever talked to told me over and over again that they were a woman. And I said, okay, why do you think you're a woman? Well, I like girly things, essentially. Like I'm summarizing, but I like girly things. And I said, well, you know, you, you could be a boy and enjoy nail polish and dresses. Like I, I'm very much, you know, very free spirited. You know, I think, I think people put too much emphasis on like gender roles and stuff. Like I think, especially since gender roles have been so blended, like it's 2023, women are working, men are staying at home, people are having kids, you know what I'm saying? It, it's not, it's just not this, this clear division anymore. And I don't know, they, they really, really couldn't explain it to me. And I kept getting more and more lost, you know, like, 
So I think the only thing I came to the conclusion about was, I guess, being a trans woman means that you desire to be a woman. Like there's an internal desire to be a woman. And yeah, that's it. That That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Like the rest of it doesn't make any sense. I, th I think there's a lot of a lot of truth to that in the sense of causation you know there's a lot of a lot of theories a lot of research out there a lot unknown there but whatever the causation is what you described i would say is accurate in terms of how it manifests for myself i always felt this way but when i was five years old i'm like well i'm a boy i knew i was a boy i knew that boys had penises and i certainly knew i had one of those and so i knew that i was a boy and for me that never that never stopped being true as I was a teenager and as I was an adult and I didn't transition until I was 28. So I, mm. I lived quite a long time before I did, but I always knew how I'd felt in terms of a deep, well, dysphoria, a deep incongruency that it didn't fit. It didn't work. I didn't like it. I didn't know how to socialize. I didn't, all of these things, but I was still, I was still male and I'm still male. <laughs> of course, not that hasn't changed, but yeah, I, I like how you put it. I guess what I'm saying, I don't think, do, do people, when you said that to the other trans woman that you met, was she offended by that or she agreed oh, yeah. with that? Or... Oh, yeah. Really? Deeply offended. No, I am a woman. It's not that I desire to be a woman. I am a woman. And I'm like, well, no, no, you're not. Like, I'm sorry. Like, no, I'm, and I'm being dead serious. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that you're suffering. I'm sorry, but, but you're not, you're not like it. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's no other way I can say that, right? Yeah, it's just not it's just not true. Carlene Gribble reached out to me a few maybe a month and a half ago. She's a researcher down in Australia mm -hmm. and she saw the work that I do and she um she pointed me towards her own paper. She had this paper talking about language and the way that language has been changing and it did a lot of focusing on some of the ways that we've started using words like birther or people who menstruate rather than women in order to to avoid that that word. Um, and it was a great paper. I, I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. But one thing she said that I knew this, but when, when I read it in her paper, I thought, ah, yes, that's what's going on is how we, we are changing the definitions here that women classically has been synonymous with female, right? They're, they're both the same thing. It's that women is an adult human female. And under queer theory, under where things are moving in certain domains, it's now being used to describe someone who has the expression the gender expression of someone who is classically female but isn't necessarily biologically female and i can see an argument either way for the usage i, I can see it but ultimately words are words and if we're not using it in the same way then we're not going to be able to communicate because you, you we're using it in different contexts so myself I'm in this weird divided spot right now where I don't know what the best way is to use it. I can see an argument to be like, no, what if female refers to the biology and women refers to the social role? And under that model, you could say I'm a woman. You could not say I'm female. Or you can say, no, we're going to stick to the classical way, in which case I am not a woman or female. And at that point, I'm like, it's just a word game. We could we could debate it, but I don't know. I don't get caught up in it myself. <laughs> right. And and I think I think the problem with, with all that is that... Um... I guess not to be direct, it's our word, <laughs> you know, there's some ownership there, right? Like as a woman, I feel ownership to, to my, to my womanhood. And like, you know, it was so funny. People kept calling me sis 
And literally, anytime somebody calls me sis, um, I literally fly into a blind rage. Like, like not a blind rage, but like pretty close. Like, I, I have tried many a time to write a thread or to articulate why it is that that makes me so angry. And I, I literally get so mad that I can't put it into words. Like, I can't, hmm. I can't articulate why it is that it upsets me so much. But I think it's because, honestly, like, like I said, with my, my life experience, my gender expression, I put on makeup when I do podcasts, okay? Like, I literally, I took a personality test, and according on Twitter, if you look at it, and apparently I'm very masculine, Okay, and so are so are several other women too, like personality wise. So I just I've never had this typical female expression. So I don't even know what you're talking about. I guess that that's probably why I get so confused about it because a trans person can tell me these things and I can totally relate to that. Like, oh, you couldn't socialize with other men? I couldn't socialize with other women either. Oh my gosh, that was a problem for you? I had this sickening feeling that I didn't fit in here. Yes, me too. And I looked up, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of what's called imposter syndrome, but basically it's a feeling, <laughs> right, where, where you know, you, you feel like you don't, you don't fit no matter what. And I've had that feeling like for a very long time. We'll put we'll put it that way. We'll put it for a very, very long time. And I guess um so I guess what I was what the reason why this was such a Rubik's cube for me is because it's like, okay, I have a lot of these same feelings, but I'm sitting here completely comfortable being a woman and I don't understand yeah, I, I just, I don't get it. That's what I mean by the fish in the in the land mammal. Because I think a lot of trans people, and I'm not, make this mistake that they think that they're terminally unique. Have you ever heard that term? Where you're, you, you think you're so unique that you think you're terminal. You know, that like, okay, that yep. no one can understand me because I'm terminally <laughs> unique, you know? And it's like, no, you're, you're a human being. Like, and, and a lot of people have these same feelings. And that's probably why people are pushing back on you the way that they are. Like, there's, there's, that's probably why, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of lesbians who push back quite, quite feverishly about this. Um, I'm done. Yeah, there's, there's so much I want to comment on there. Um, I think the first thing I want to mention, though, is what you said at the beginning when you identified yourself as a tomboy growing up and said, if you were a teenager today, you could see yourself falling into the, the rapid onset gender dysphoria that we're seeing. And I have heard that so many times with, with the stuff that I'm doing now. I'm talking to all kinds of parents, all kinds of people who are working in this domain across school boards in Ontario. And oh, gosh, probably like every second parent who I'm talking to who's deeply concerned when I really get talking, they say, exactly what you described of I'm concerned because I can relate because I look at myself at that age and that could have been me. And that's also why I'm concerned because I see that <laughs> not, not for myself, but I, but I, I guess where I like to draw a distinction though, too, is the, the deep dysphoria driven, which is what used to be all trans people because up until maybe seven years ago, it was so stigmatized to transition you didn't find identity and purpose in it and community. You just found stigma. So you did it when you felt it so intensely that you you 
had to. You had no other choice as far as you understood. Versus now, you still get those people, but you also get a whole bunch of younger people who are doing it because it's cool. I don't know how it is down in the States where you are, but up here, we were told that 39% of our board identifies as LGBT. And 39%, like four out of 10 kids. But I I get it because I see my daughter's in grade 11. And when I look at her classmates in her school, it is such a great way to have an identity to say, yeah, I'm a this, I'm pan, I'm demi, I'm this, I'm whatever, I'm non-binary. And so they're all looking for that. And that's very scary to me because transition has real implications. And well, I do personally believe it is appropriate for some individuals. I don't think it's appropriate for most individuals. And I don't think it's something that should be made lightly. And I definitely don't think it's something that should be done absent from a medical system that's supporting and coaching and, you know, a lot of careful work. It's not just, I feel this way now I can do it. And up here that that's what it's become is you in the medical system, you really can't challenge it. If, if a kid comes and tells you, I, you know, if a biological male says I'm a girl now, the teachers can't comment. The doctors can't comment. We just have to affirm. And that, that really, really concerns me. So I think we're definitely on the same page, at least in that, that piece of it. Right. And, and, you know, I also think too, though, with this complete affirmation model, I think they're missing serious, like I sent you that article about personality disorders, you know, you know, these things are serious and they require mm-hmm. serious treatment. And I think that this is being sold to people like it's a snake oil, that it's just going to fix all your problems when I don't think that's, that's entirely true. Um, and especially the narcissistic personality disorder, like in particular, it kind of shocked me, but it also, it didn't surprise me either because I think the number one thing that I kept hearing from a lot of trans people before, you know, I, I blocked most of of the TRAs because, you know, um, I, I, there's only so much abuse one can take, but, um, (laughs) you know, this constant focus on, on, personal appearance disturbs me. It really does. I, and I'm not trying to be rude about it. I just, if, if I had a child and my child turned to me and said, you know, I feel so depressed that I want to lay in bed because I don't have breasts and like, I, I don't like look like a girl. Like that was something that you said in your video, like when that you when you were 14 years old, you felt so depressed because you couldn't look like a girl. I would feel like I failed as a parent right? Because, because you're a special person and the inside matters more. And like, you're a precious child of God, right? And like the, the idea that, um, that, that someone's so concerned about their physical appearance that they want to just lay in bed and be depressed. Like it, it, it literally, it, it broke, it broke my heart. Like it almost made me want to you know, grab that person and say, no, bad. That's not something you should be look, focused on. Yeah. You, um, what you said there, I really, really relate to. So I, surgically speaking, I've had bottom surgery. Not that that's super relevant to this, but I have done that. Um, I have not had breast augmentation. That was just hormones, but I have not had facial feminization surgery, which is something that lots of trans people do end up doing, especially trans women. And for a while, I was really fixated on wanting to do that. And it was probably about two years ago and I was starting to shift my thinking out of the, as you described, the TRA, the very classic way of thinking to where I am now, that I was doing this research and looking with, at what surgeons I could go to. And then I got thinking, like, kind of exactly what you said. If my daughter came to me and said, I hate my nose, I want a new nose, I would 
spend a lot of time trying to both question myself, why do we get to this point? But also, no, you don't need a new nose. You're beautiful. And working towards accepting her nose as it is, why am I here looking at the new nose that I can get? Why, why is that so important? And my answer then is, well, because I'm trans, right? Well, because I need to pass all of these things I could tell myself. But as I kind of put that through rigor, it didn't, what is the difference? <laughs> it really comes down to what is the difference? And Right, yeah. right. Like as I was researching um, all the arguments for like giving puberty blockers to kids, the thing I kept hearing over and over again is, oh, they pass. I said, yeah, and they can't experience orgasm and they're sterilized. There are more important things than passing, you know, like, like I can't even imagine waking up one day and just having just having all of that taken from me, like it, it just, it boggles my mind. It, it really does. And, um, I remember saying that to, um, my TRA friend, like there are more important things than passing. You don't understand. That's what I would get back. You don't understand. I'm like, no, I, I think, I think I do because you know, women our whole lives are, are constantly pinching ourselves in the mirror, like looking at this, looking at that, you know, um, I was debating back and forth before I got on here, whether or not this lipstick was too red and made my teeth look yellow. You know, I'm just staring at myself in the mirror. Like, you know, it, it's just, it, it, it's, um, so no, I, I think I can understand in, in, and that's what I mean by that terminal uniqueness. Don't be terminally unique, Julia. <laughs> You know, you're I like that phrase. I like that phrase. Just I like might steal me. that phrase. You could no, go I, I, ahead and steal it. Yes. Like I hear what I hear what you're saying on that, and I do think there's a small something there in the sense that we still live in a time and a place where, especially when you, when you're a trans woman and you don't pass, there is a lot of extra stigma that comes towards you. So I, I can kind of see where they're coming from. But what I've also learned myself is that so much of what gets blamed and get called transphobia or hate is actually coming from the obnoxiousness of the activism more than anything else, because I am not an activist and I am not pushy. Like I spend most of my time around people who are quite further right than I am, I'm often quite religious. And we have these wonderful conversations and the genuine friendships because I, I have no desire to change people's opinions. I have no desire to push anything on them. And most importantly, I believe these people to be wonderful people. I spent three decades attending church prior to when I transitioned. I, I love everything about that world. And so I don't, I see these people in the best of light and I approach them in good faith, just wanting to connect and they reciprocate. And that has been my experience. And I think that things have gotten so toxic that the, the trans activists and the other side, whatever you want to call that side, you know, they both feel like the other one struck first because maybe at some point they did and then they both come in with bad faith and don't interact well. And then that reinforces why it is the way it is. And then that, that I think for the trans person, that's why I've got to pass because then I can avoid this when really you could just be pleasant <laughs> and that might help it. Right. And, and I think too, like, I think the more pleasant people are, like I hear from so many people, like I'm the type of person I advocate for third spaces for trans people because I think it makes them safer and I think it makes women safer. Okay, like that that's my stance. Um, I, I think when, when people yell about like, oh, we need, we, and I've, I've heard from people who are so 
they've been attacked for so long by, you know, the trans rights activists that I, I think their hearts have gotten cold. I really do. Um, oh, well, that's not our problem. That's not our fight, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a long history of women fighting for our own restrooms. And the sad part is, is I think you, I think the trans rights activists really could have gotten a lot of feminist women on board to say, hey, we got our right to pee. Like they, they need a bathroom too, woo. You know, and it could have been a whole thing. Um, and I think it's a shame that it, that it went that way. Just in terms of the way that the discourse has gone. Yes, yes, it's a shame um, because I really do. I think that um, I, I could definitely relate to like, you know, being afraid to go to the bathroom because we're now all afraid to go to the bathroom. And, you know, it, it's 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 sad. It's sad, you know, um, like not to get too controversial, but but it's just it's it's sad to me that, um, you know, and, and I've read cases where um, a trans woman tried to use the women's restroom and they got beaten up pretty badly. I read a case where a trans man was told to use the women's restroom and apparently this individual passed well enough that when she went in there, everybody in the community thought that this was a man going after, <laughs> going after, you know, this was a campground situation. And so um, he, he got terribly assaulted, you know? And so I, I think like, and then I've read cases where in Los Angeles, where they allowed um, a trans man to, on the school campus to use the women's restroom and this person got gang raped. Um, I've read cases where in, in honestly the Virginia, the Loudoun County, Virginia case where the, this, this rapist essentially was given access to the women's restroom and raped a girl and then the school transferred this person and like they raped somebody else. The Wee Spa incident where uh, everybody was, attacked this woman for complaining at the front desk that there was a man showing his erection and well it turns out he it actually that he was a sex offender and was banned from the spa but he grew his hair out and put the mask on his face and like so it, it's just it's just really um like not to try and get controversial here i i want i want safety for everyone like i'm not you know, and I want I want trans activists and I want trans people to understand like that that it isn't just a bunch of angry women complaining. Like that that's it. Like that that's my message. Yeah. So yeah, you've touched a lot of a lot of controversial topics there that I have not publicly put a position out on yet because I I don't know the answer. Like I'm making these videos and I haven't done a video on right. washrooms. I haven't done a video on prisons. I haven't done a video on sports. I'm going to do all of those. I want to, but I'm like, my thoughts are not solidified on those. I don't have useful stuff to say yet. I have like half written That's scripts. Okay. But I was, so last week I was at my local theater group um, and I walk in there and this weird thing is happening now that I'm making these videos that people who I've never met know me because they, they, I guess they're watching my stuff. So I walk in and this person comes up and she's like, Julia. And she's so excited to talk about one of my videos and what she thought of it. And so we got chatting. And she said something that really stuck with me, which was in so many of these domains, it, it clearly doesn't work now. A lot of people are very unhappy, so that, but that's clear. 
but it didn't actually work before either. And I think prisons was the one that where this was the most clear of what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing in the States, but what we're doing up here, where a biological male who self-IDs as a woman can be in the female prison has led to problems and does lead to problems. Um, I'm not convinced that there's, it's never appropriate for a trans person to go in, but I, I definitely think there's cases I would not like to see that individual go in. But what this person kind of said to me at the theater was, but prisons didn't work before either. Like, <laughs> prisons have this history of people getting raped, of people getting beaten, of people being killed. You see that in men's prisons, and you see that to a lesser extent in women's prisons. Like, the model doesn't work. It's a broken system that we're already operating with. And this is just yet again another way that it's still broken. But why don't we actually fix the system? And, and when she said that, we kind of did this thought experiment together and thought, right, and washrooms are the same way. Like, there already was problems with washrooms before this and there already was problems with sports competitions before this like this isn't the trans element of it isn't an isolated problem it's just another instantiation of the same thing and i'm curious to know kind of how that sits with you well what i would say is that we don't need to make it more broken right like we don't need to break it further by um introducing more men because i i'm one of the these people where i think um, there should only be female guards at the women's prison. Like there, there's things that, that, that we need to do, <laughs> you know, to, to better improve like rape statistics and stuff. Um, but, um, you know, we don't need to break it further. I will say this too about sports. The problem with sports is that when somebody goes through male puberty from what I all the research that I've dug through and looked through on grip strength studies along with somebody for being on HRT as long as eight years and you still have a physical advantage over me. You still do. Like, you can still, like, and to give you an idea of how big of a physical advantage, a 14-year-old boy can easily overpower me. Easily. Totally. Like, once, right. And so, it, it's just... The problem with the sports thing is that I think that with the current models and the way that they're writing legislation, it's going to encourage more childhood transition because, you know, if you supposedly if you get rid of this male puberty. Now, I'm not entirely convinced that they're experiencing a quote unquote new puberty. I keep hearing that over and over I again. I thought you no, posted about that yesterday. Yes, because I'm not convinced because, it, you know, an orgasm is, is an ability that you can have after you go through puberty. So the idea that like you're going through puberty but by, by giving cross sex hormones, like, I'm sorry, I don't believe that. And so to be honest with you, it's just, I don't think we know anything about what we're doing to these kids. Um, at all like I don't think we know anything at all but I, I would I think what it is and I think what a lot of people have the problem have a problem with is it should be incumbent on the trans community to prove that they do not have a physical advantage to participate in women's sports it shouldn't be on women to prove that they do right like it should be the other way around and that and that it feels like that's not what's happening. What it feels like is that, you know, everybody just woke up one day and decided, okay, this is what we're doing. And it was like, well, well, hey, wait a minute. Nobody asked us, 
you know, and and it so, just kind of went went that way, you know. Yeah, you, I, I do want to come back to the sports, kind of. Actually, I'm not sure if I want to come back because I really I I do not know much about it to be quite yeah. honest. I don't have, and that's why I don't have strong opinions about that. But one thing I've noticed. Oh, I can. This is say what? Oh, I can send you studies. I send you. Oh things. yeah, go go for it. Go for it. I think the big thing is I'm not an athletic person. And so I really don't care about any sports. I don't care about male sports. I don't care about female sports. So like the whole thing, I know it's happening and I'm kind of like, I want, I want to know more. I want to know more. I want to be thoughtful about it, but I don't, I, I don't like sports. Anyways, moving on from that, um, something you said there, and you said something earlier in the conversation as well, where you would speak as though you are speaking for women. And that stuck out to me because I was talking to someone a few months ago and they pointed out to me how some people who are pushing back against trans matters on the women's rights side speak as though they represent women. And there are a lot, plenty of women who don't feel that way. You know, you could obviously speak for Audra and you can obviously speak for a lot of other people right. who agree with you. But I know plenty of women who very much don't agree with that position and it's it feels right. very like sidest when we kind of dive in it's, and i know the trans people can do it too where they can be like you know well trans women are women like, yeah. kind of, again it's like speaking for the that's class. true I'm curious to know what you make of that you know what that is true i mean i am sure that's something that um i'm guilty of i'm sure that's something that you know a lot of women are guilty of it, you're right that a lot of women don't don't seem to care or agree in things it was just an observation because no it is it's a it's a decent observation i guess what i'm tr the reason why i feel like i'm at least trying my best to represent women is because i feel like a lot of women are also uncomfortable but they're afraid to say anything so i try my best to channel like channel my woman like woo you know do my woo 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 you know and do and do my best um but yeah no that's how I feel about it is like I said I, I think I think it's unfair to ask women especially with the heat especially with the constant accusations of transphobia and homophobia you know I mean I don't know if you followed the Leah Thomas situation closely or not um I'm but at the bare minimum the women around coming, it. Well, a lot of the women were pressured by the school and told that if they said anything, that, you know, they would have their scholarships revoked and things of that nature. So I guess, I guess the issue so much isn't like trans people. Like that's, that's something that I wanted to put out. It's not so much trans people. It's this authoritarian top down, you know, you're not allowed to say anything because if you do, I'm going to call you a transphobe and I'm going to ruin your life. Like type of thing. Yes. Um, yes. And I'm, and I'm in, and I'm in a, a, right. And I'm in a fortunate position that I, I don't necessarily have to worry so much about stuff like that. And so I want to use my voice to empower other women to like use their voices. If that makes any sense. Like, I, I guess I'm not trying <laughs> Yeah, that made me feel bad, actually. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, because well, I, I never bad. even thought of it that way. It was just an observation that I that I noticed, but I mm -hmm. I hope you don't feel bad. I wasn't. I don't even know what it means. It was just kind no. of an interesting thing. Right. Right. But but what you mentioned there about the everything being called transphobia—that's one of the things that got me involved in the work that I'm doing because. 
for me, it came from the schools. Um, kind of my, my brief history here is my daughter is my adopted daughter. And she came to live with me a few years ago. And that was during COVID. She was in online school. And when she went to in-person school, I was worried because I remembered what school was like when I was in high school. And people wouldn't have wanted to go to you know someone's house if they had a trans parent because we would all just make fun of them. And I thought, oh, gosh, is this going to be a problem for my daughter? And is that going to cause a bit of a barrier between her and I? Is she going to resent me? Because I had no idea where schools were at now, of course. And all of a sudden, we get to school. And I'm super cool because I'm trans. So at first, that felt awesome. I'm like, oh, this is great. And then I quickly realized, like, oh, no, like this is this is almost too much. <laughs> There's too much excitement around this stuff. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm just living my life and I'm really not that novel, but it was a big deal. And that's where it started. And then the next thing that happened was we had a teacher named Carolyn Brzozowski who went to the board to speak about books. This was the concern about certain LGBT books and the material for really young kids. And her presentation was shut down about three and a half minutes in because it was again labeled you know transphobic and being against the human rights code. And she's actually suing the board now for that. She has a defamation suit and a charter challenge. And so I saw that when that came up because it was all over the news. And this is right in my city here. And that was the moment I kind of thought, maybe I need to be the one to speak about this stuff because it shouldn't be different when I say it, but it is different when I say it because when other people say it, we dismiss them. If you say anything that challenges anything around the trans narrative, you're transphobic and, you know, Trans hate does exist. I can point you towards real examples, but there's lots of other things like what Carolyn brought where it was just, I'm concerned this material may confuse kids. It wasn't hateful. And I've come to know Carolyn now. She's a great friend of mine and she's wonderful. But nonetheless, she's you know out there in news articles being called transphobic because she raised concerns. So for me, that that was the first thing that brought me to do the, to vocalize the way that I am is to say, how do we bridge that? How do we and that's why I love to have these conversations to show that you and I probably right. don't agree on some things, but we're not even really focusing on the disagreement. We're focusing on where we can get along, where we can talk, because that's so much more interesting than just being like separating and pushing people further away from each other, which seems to be what no, most, most people like, are interested in doing right now. Well, you know, and, and especially when I posted about my experience with, with trans people, like trying, just trying to bridge that gap because you know, like I said, everyone's a precious child of God to me. Like you're all precious, you're all beautiful, you're all good people, you deserve, you have innate human dignity. Like to use the very Catholic term, you have innate human dignity because you are a human being. I realized like as we were getting closer and closer, I was like, I'm really nervous about this debate and I don't know why, you know, and then I decided to like make a post about, and then I saw that NBC article and I thought, oh, that would be a good way to bridge to bridge that um, by debate do you mean our discussion but yeah yeah i was getting nervous i was like oh. you know i haven't spoken to a trans person in like really really spoke like really had a had a deep conversation and and i think part of it too like when we talk about that that top-down authoritarianism there's also this sense when people are constantly throwing suicide statistics at you like, I get worried. Like, you know, I sent you that, that article about narcissism in, in trans people. And I was like, oh, no, that probably was too much. Hey, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah to, I'm to fine. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you sent me an article, which uh, was really great. But it was just, I, I have a lot going on right now. My life's a mess. And so it was at a time that, like, everything was happening. And so I didn't, I think I opened it. And then I didn't respond to you for a little while. And then you sent a message, yeah, checking in on me. And it was evident from what you wrote that, 
that you cared and you were worried that you may have, I guess, offended me or hurt me or I don't know what. And I'm just like, oh, no, gosh, it was great. I just haven't had time to respond to you. But I, I agree with you. It's tumultuous, it's tumultuous territory. And for, for you and I, I, I hope this is showing you that yeah. I, I just love No, this, this is showing me a lot. This is showing me that, you know, because, because honestly, what I think is tragic about that is when people constantly push suicide statistics, I, I do get to the point, at least for me, where I'm afraid to interact with people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want somebody, you know, t- me to interact with somebody and then they kill themselves, right? And I'm left wondering, did I push them too far? Should I have, you know, been kinder? Should I have been nicer? Like, should I have been this and should I have been that? And I think a lot of trans activists, I think they sense that. In particular, I think that's more of a woman trait, you know? Um, this this desire to care and feed. In fact, there was a study, I love studies, that... Um, I'm noticing. <laughs> that they showed pictures of an angry person and women automatically smile. In other words, we're trying to get along. Like, oh, we're gonna smile, we're gonna be nice, blah, 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 to try to de-escalate the situation. Men, on the other hand, they went right back. Like, and they took pictures of their micro expressions. Yes, so like, in other words, the men were like, oh, this man's angry, let's go, let's fight, you know? And the women are like, no, let's smile, let's be happy. So I think, I think there is this innate desire, like in women, to care and to be kind and to be nice to people. And I think a lot of times that's weaponized. Like if I could talk for a moment about my non-binary friend, um, my non-binary ex-friend, what ended up happening was, um, you know, this person was very depressed. And so I made a lot of suggestions. I said, have you tried, you know, counseling? Have you tried um, therapists? Have you tried this? You know, and then finally I said, well, have you tried prayer? You know, and the response was, are you effing kidding me? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not kidding. Like prayer can help your mind. It can, it can like, you know, give you mindfulness and like change your perspective on things. And like I said, I was trying, I really was, but it got to a point where the last thing that this person said that I saw before I completely blocked them out of my life was they went on a rant about pronouns that they know when people aren't using their pronouns, okay? They know. And because their friends tell them that they're not using your pronouns. And, you know, and I, I like took a look at that and I thought about it and I was like, I don't even know if I'm comfortable using your pronouns, you know? Like, like honestly, like I don't, I don't know if I'm even comfortable with that because I, I don't think there is such a thing as a they. To be brutally honest with you, like I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude, but I don't think there's such a thing. I don't think they exist. Like, what is that? What even is a they? Like, that's another one that you know I ask questions and people shout at me, um, and so I just I realized that you know what I think the reason why I block so many people honestly is because I don't want to cause people who I see are already psychologically distressed more distressed than what than you know like it's better to block right like i've even had friends who put put people like that on mute right on twitter they mute them and they'll come back a week later and they're still ranting at them you know they'll look (laughs) at the thread and it's like 
You know, like what is wrong with these people? And so I think the other thing that really got me turned on to a lot of this trans stuff, well, not turned on, but interested, interested was, yeah. was people kept yelling at me that there was, that nobody has a mental health condition, that it's all due to, you know, transphobia and that that's why these people were so angry. And I was like, I don't know. They're not asking. <laughs> they're not acting like they're not mentally ill though. Like that was my problem with it. They're literally acting like extremely distressed, upset, um, obsessive, obsessive, paranoid, extremely paranoid. Like if I see one more tweet about the genocide, you know, like that, that, you know, literally I'm coming to get them with like a pitchfork or something like, you know, you, that that would cause a genocide if you did that though. Right. <laughs> so then it would be true. Yeah, no. And I was like, you know, and, and the more I read stuff like that, I, I even wrote an article about it on Ron speak. It, it's called trans activists are their own worst enemies. And I wrote about this, this, paranoia you know that these people literally think we're out to like i'm coming to get you i want to hurt you because i don't want you in my bathroom like what are you talking about no for real what are you talking about it it, it just yeah so many things i want to comment on there um first i, I just want to talk about the pronoun thing because you ta you mentioned that a bit and yeah i have gone on quite a journey with pronouns as well I transitioned, of course. I started to get she, her from my little bubble of close friends. That felt so good. And I'm like, yeah, I love this. And then I started to realize that I, I didn't get, I didn't get he, himed really from anybody maliciously. Like I, I, the people around me like me, right? They like me. They, they want to affirm me, but I would get it because, you know, I'm biologically male because my voice is low because they knew me before all of these reasons that people who wanted to use she her just would make a mistake and say he him and it would dig at me you know it would happen and it would like i remember it for days and i wouldn't want to see that person because it's like i feel awkward because oh there's that time that they said he him and as i wrestled with that and thought about that when you talk about kind of the distress that they're feeling i thought wow like why am I so vulnerable on this? Why does that matter so much what someone else calls me? Why am I making it matter so much? And what I realized it was, was because I had a, a false image of myself because I was living in this bubble, this lie telling myself I am, I'm, I'm female. I'm a woman just like you and everyone sees me that way. And I can pretend that's the case, but the minute that someone says he, I'm like, oh, oh gosh, like you don't, you might call me she, her because you want to affirm me, but you do see me as something different. And when you mess up, you remind me of that. And that was the moment it kind of clicked for me of like, I'm living a lie. And that doesn't help me. It's, it's not about if I can or not, I have the right to live whatever lie I want to live, but it doesn't help me. It just makes me vulnerable versus where I am now, which is I accept that I'm biologically male. I accept that I'm trans. And I, I, I think most people like me. I still don't want to talk to people who hate me, who are trying to hurt me, but somebody who and that's why before we recorded here, I know we talked a bit about just things to say or not say. And I pronouns came up and I said, like, call me whatever you want to call me, because that has evolved to the point of realizing that pronouns are like, it's not really my choice. I'm super uncomfortable with the idea of compelled speech that I can somehow force you to call me anything in particular. So, well, I would like she, her. I mean, that's not how friendships and relationships work. You, you, you both bring yourselves to the table and you just kind of what happens happens. Right. And I don't agree with, like every friend that I have, there's something they do or say I don't love. And so for me, it's kind of like, I don't get to 
tell you that. I don't get to tell anybody that. So that's kind of where I've landed with pronouns, which I know is super uncommon, but it, it takes the stress off of it. It's like, we're having a great conversation. I would love she, her, if you want to give it to me. If you feel more comfortable giving me he, him, that's your choice. If you want to avoid pronouns, cool. Like, it's, you know, do what you want to do. And I don't know. I, I, I feel like if more people adopted that, it would just be easier. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is. It's a tremendous amount of pressure, right? Mm-hmm. And like, and it kind of made me feel like I'm responsible for somebody else's like gender dysphoria, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't want to be responsible <laughs> for your gender dysphoria. So I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I'm comfortable using people's preferred pronouns anymore. Like that, that's where I'm at. And I think that's really, like I said, I think that's sad because the other thing that really disturbed me, honestly, was when my, my trans woman ex-friend, I showed them a post and this trans woman was talking about how this woman posted, you know, when people use your preferred pronouns, they're just being polite. They don't actually see you as the opposite sex. They're being polite. They're being kind to you. This trans woman went on this huge rant about how this is their literal worst nightmare. And I was like, I'm confused. So I shared this with my trans woman friend. I was like, I mean, yeah, like people are being polite because they, you know, they think you're nice and they think you're friendly and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, this person said to me, no, 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 this is, of course, their worst nightmare because I want to be seen as my true self. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the true myself, self they're defining as how they see themselves. And I said, but, but that's not, first of all, that's not like nobody sees you as your true self. Like I can't control what other people think of me. Every, there's so many people who think I'm a hateful transphobe. Like, like there's a long list of people who, <laughs> who think I hate trans people. And then I, at the same time, I also see like, um, for some gender critical people, I don't go far enough, you know? And I'm like, well, I'm not Matt Walsh. Like, I'm sorry, like I'm not, I'm not Matt Walsh. And, and I'm really not Christina Buttons. Like I'm somewhere in the middle between those two and I'm doing my best. But I guess, and that was really what struck me. And then the other thing that struck me too was the people who were saying, well, you know, it's safe for trans women to use the women's bathroom so long as they pass. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if everybody is calling you she, her, everyone in your life is calling you she, her, you might get the impression that you do pass. And what if you don't? And then you're going into, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And you're opening yourself up to problems like, problems because and and it's unfortunate that male violence is such a thing that it, it, it really is it's it's a problem in and of itself just before we go into into that piece about washrooms i think it's a problem even just for the authenticity of the relationship that was what i've come to realize very recently so the very first podcast episode that i did i went up to ottawa and i saw my friends um chanel and Catherine, and they're both involved in this space. Chanel is a teacher who ended up being canceled when she expressed views about critical race theory and trans issues and all of these pieces here. And Catherine runs something called Lighthouse Forum in Ontario and in Canada here, which is a connection of a bunch of people who are kind of looking for classical liberal values and not finding it because we've moved into progressive liberal values instead. 
And so we got together and we recorded something like this and we talked about pronouns and both of them chose to call me she, her. And you know, same thing, pronouns are such a non-thing for me. I've never asked, I think we've never talked about pronouns before. It's, it's just, and I didn't even really notice what they called me. It just kind of happened. And then we put out the video and a lot of people kind of went really crazy over it because they had assumed that Chanel and Catherine would take that really rigid stance of like, absolutely not. You never use she, her for a trans woman. You must use he, him. And, and as they kind of said afterwards, like, no, like I can do whatever I want. The whole point is the compelled speech. And I, I know Julia, I like Julia. And for them, part of it was, and I know that she's not living a lie. She's not delusional. She, she knows that she's, you know, biologically male. And so I'm comfortable in my friendship. And then I recorded with um, Eva Kirilova and Neil Doran and Lois Cardinal uh, last week. And same thing, when we were talking to them, uh, Eva made the good point of, you know, I, I will make whatever exceptions I want for my friends. <laughs> I might not want to use it for all trans people, but I might choose to for this person. And I get to decide that. And you get to decide that. And I, I feel like a lot of right. that is is kind of being missed right now. It is. It's it's being missed because like I said, I the reason why I'm not comfortable using pronouns anymore is because I don't want to give people um the impression that they pass to the point where you know, they would fit in any female space that they want. And at any rate, you know, that that's like I said, that's why um that's why I promote third spaces. That's why I promote, because, you know, women need their own space for the, there I go again, women, 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 women. Okay. I feel, based on rape statistics from India and Ethiopia, we have statistics that show that when women have mixed sex facilities, that they're at a higher risk of rape. And I do not want my daughter going to school, going to a locker room, etc., and being put at a higher risk of rape. Now, here's a fun statistic. It's not all men. In fact, 84% of men are not, you know, sexual assault people. But if I were to hand you a bag of 100 M&Ms and say to you, well, 14 of them, Julia, have cyanide in them, would you like some M&Ms? You're going to tell me, no. I'm good. I don't want any M and M's. I'm I'm good. You know, and, and it's unfortunate. I mean, it 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 really is. the The longest study of of trans behavior, because unfortunately, thanks to the changing of the sex designation on on birth certificates and stuff, we don't have a whole lot of statistics. The one study I could find was 30 years old. And it involved about 300 people. And what it showed is that trans women retain the same level of criminality as men do. Interestingly enough, though, trans men, so men, so women taking testosterone had an increased level of criminality. <laughs> Testosterone's a hell of a drug. I mean, if you look at any animal kingdom, like the bull shark has 10 times the testosterone of a human of a human male and they literally eat each other like they're the most aggressive animal that you're probably ever going to come across like they eat anything they eat license plates they swim up rivers and attack people like like they're insane they're like 
you know. How do we know and, they eat license just, plates? Did someone feed them a license plate or this was just a freak accident? Or like, where does that come from? You know what? They found a dead shark and they did a dissection. They found the license plate. Wow. Yeah, they'll eat anything. They're crazy. And, and <laughs> male animals are crazy. They really are. I'm watching Chimp Empire. I really encourage you. Well, you probably saw my, my post about chimps. But um, it's well, I'm on not Netflix. your biggest fan. I don't watch all of your posts. Only some of them. Only the ones Aww. that come to my feed. Okay. Oh, okay. No, I. Um, I know that's, that's a lot. Well, it's a, it's a lot. It's interesting. I um, like I said, I'm still trying to get my thoughts around a lot of these things. I, I don't know. rather than hold strong opinions. I'm trying to really be thoughtful with all of this. I guess yes. where I think you and I are certainly aligned is like I'm very uncomfortable with the idea of self ID. That's an understatement to say I'm very uncomfortable with it, but I, I'm very uncomfortable with the idea of self-ID. I think that's very silly. Um, where I have more empathy is someone who has actually transitioned, though, because yeah. that is a different situation. Having, as you said, been on testosterone for a, a period, then having gone on blockers and on estrogen, and then now having no ability to produce it for several years, like it is so, so different. And for me, I kind of woke up to that a bit two months ago, there was a parent up in Ottawa named Nick Morabito, and he spoke to his school board about his concerns with um, biological male students who were transitioning using the, the women's washroom. And of course he was shut down. It was 45 seconds in and the chair just shut him down and wouldn't let him speak, even though he, he said everything right. He used all the, the right language. He framed it very respectfully. It wasn't about a particular student. It was just the concept in general. And this upset me. So that was actually my first video I made. I kind of went out and just made like a three minute rant saying, we need to be able to talk about this stuff. And when you shut those things down, it makes people hate me more because they blame people like me for our yes. inability to talk about it. Yes. And, and it's not your fault. It's not well, yeah. your fault. It's, it's, thank you. It's not it's me. Not but anyways, fault. I connected with Nick then and we, we chatted about it since I met, I went been up to Ottawa, had breakfast. It was, it was lovely, but he said something in his 45 seconds that stuck with me, which is these people might be intending to transition but they still have testosterone. They're still teenage boys. Like he's, he, he kind of used his own example and said, I was there. I remember what that feels like. And that I think is a point that has to be reckoned with that there's a big difference between someone who identifies as a woman and it has high levels of testosterone and someone who identifies as a woman and has been out of that for a very long time. Does that mean they should use the women's washroom. I know that there's space for debate there, but it's definitely not the same thing. No, it's not. And I, I have issues with self-ID too. And you know what's so interesting? The other topic I never talk about on my channel, like, well, on my Twitter page ever, because I don't have a channel, is autogynephilia. And the reason mm -hmm. I don't talk about it is because I don't want to literally piss off the entire, like, I have trans people who follow me, and I like them, and they seem like nice people. And I don't... And I'm like, I don't know if I want to talk about this. And what was interesting is after Elon Musk officially lifted like all these bans, all of a sudden I saw trans people talking about autogynephilia, talking about self-ID, talking about how persuasive this is and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's interesting, right? Like, cause I, I honestly, yeah, I, I never, I, I just thought that that was a topic like other people told me, oh, the trans community never wants to talk about autogynephilia because it makes them look bad, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, not my turn. Not the people I follow who on Twitter, they talk about it. They talk about it all the time and how it 
it's destroying their identity and destroying the trust in the community that they have with them and and everything else they talk about it all the time and so i just i thought i would throw that out there too um that's interesting i i didn't even know that that was a banned word because i only came on twitter after elon musk bought it not that that was random my timing but that's just when i started so i i didn't know that was something you couldn't say before well and and i think that's why when you see a lot of um a lot of people talk call trans women perverts that's they're referring to ray blanchard's i don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar you're familiar with oh that. yeah i i was a super nerd as a kid so when i was a closeted kid who felt this stuff i was reading those papers in real time i was like 14 ah. years old and i was reading the blanchard papers as they came out yeah and and even when i read it like 75 percent according to him or I was like, man, that's really mean, you know, like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, if you have like a, a kink or a weird thing to like, tell somebody to like, you know, turn their penis inside out, like, that's kind of a mean thing to do to somebody like that's what I was posting. I was like, okay, <laughs> like, you know, and, and I don't understand that argument at all. Like, why would you want to why would you take somebody who has a kink or I guess a fetish is, is the proper word for it and you want to castrate them? Like that doesn't seem very nice. I don't yeah, know. I, I haven't actually publicly commented I don't know what on, to think of. on gynophilia yet. I, I struggle with it in the sense of like, I think there's a lot of good stuff there and I, I get to speak to a lot of researchers and what I do and you know, there's, I've met people who it's very evident that that's what's going on for them. There was one individual that I was working with once. This was um, one of my friend's siblings, actually. And they were considering wanting to transition. And so my friend reached out to me. And so we're talking about this stuff. And this guy was very open with me. But it was very clear. He's like, you know, I want want titties. Like, that would be hot and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like, that... um, Like, what what do you say to that at that point, right? Like, it's like, this is... This is a very much a attraction to having female to having body the... parts, which I can't relate to because body like all body parts are gross. Like penises are gross, vaginas are both gross. Like they're all gross. But I guess where I think some trans people and I, I, I and some of I'm in that group have gotten their back up is that under Blanchard's typology itself, you're one or the other. You know, you you either homosexual or heterosexual, and it's all about that. And so you are autogynophilic by definition it's kind of like there's no space and, and for me that wasn't my experience i'm sitting here thinking i haven't felt that though and really i'm actually hoping i can talk to blanchard at some point he lives up here in toronto so like maybe i'll meet him someday but there's um it, it felt like a very maybe i'm a unique case because i've always had an extremely low sex drive i wasn't i i, I don't find women attractive but I also don't really find, mm. I find men more attractive than women actually slightly, but like mostly I just don't mm. find sex attractive. Like I, I still think of sex the way I thought of sex okay. when I was like eight years old, like that's gross. Ew, why would I want to do that? And mm. I was raised okay. in an evangelical church. So I just, you know, I was gonna be with a woman. And so I was, and I got married. And then that fell apart, as I mentioned, as I was moving into my transition, at which point I met someone else right around the time I was transitioning and I'm now married to her. And I love her, but it's not about, it's not about the mm. sex of it for me. Like, I, I feel like it's just a non-thing. 
But yet, definitionally, right. under Blanche's typology, that would put me in the autogynophilic category because those are the two choices. If I'm with a woman, then obviously that's what I am. And that, that's the part that I... But I, really? I think in some ways the research would be better if it hadn't been shut down, right? Because once it became stigmatized and everything was dropped, it wasn't gone into further. So maybe maybe over time we'll find more balance to say this is a thing because I know it's a thing. I've talked to those people. But maybe there's another category of some kind. Yeah, no. And, and I think, and I, I haven't spoken about this publicly yet. You'll be the first one to know. <gasps> I'm so um, excited. I was, yay. So <laughs> I looked at, I looked up gender dysphoria in the DSM-5, which is which is Americans Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders. It's ours too. And it's ours too. Be generous. Oh, it is. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. We just use yours. Yeah, yeah. We use. I the honestly want to take. I want to take that entire, the entire definition of gender dysphoria. Sounds like it was written by an old white man in the 1950s. Like, don't you get that feeling when you read that? You're like, wait a minute, what? Oh, plays with boy toys stereotypically for the opposite sex. I'm like, okay. I did mudsliding when I was younger. Like, there's have a literal the picture DSM-4 of me definition? with mud. Um, you know what? I haven't. Because um, it was called gender identity disorder. Is it better disorder. than that one? It was. No, it was worse. I knew it I was. Yeah. Because it was gender identity oh, disorder. Oh, it was worse. Actually, well, no, it was probably better. It was probably better actually. But it's, it's different. Mm. You, should, you should compare the two and do like a, do like a post. You, you know, pull the two apart and look at how it's changed. That would be cool because honestly, the whole definition of gender dysphoria, I would literally just rip out everything and just leave desire to be the opposite sex <laughs> and just leave it, just leave that right there. And, and then also too, what I noticed um, when it comes to like the pronouns or bit, like people complain that that gives them dysphoria, right? Like it, it, it gives them dysphoria. And so I think there's, there seems to be physical dysphoria, right? Like that's why people like wanna turn their penises inside out. I'm sorry, I don't know a proper way to say that. And then um, a nicer, nicer way to say that. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> Just describe then, the process every um, single time. That, that's definitely what you should do. And we should describe, you know, heart bypass as ripping your chest open and then going into your coronary arteries. <laughs> you know what? I feel like, to be honest with you, if people were talked about surgery being exactly what it was, like I'm also a big like anti-plastic surgery person too. Okay. Um, so I, I just want you to know I'm not just targeting a vaginoplasty. I'm literally, I, I think they're all gross. Like watching like i'll remember i remember being like oh i want a nose job right and then i watched this guy take a hammer and just like break somebody's nose Uh and this woman woke up and she's like i feel like i got punched in the face i'm like because they broke literally broke your nose like it was the grossest thing um i digress what was i saying oh yeah there seems to be body dysphoria right like where People are very uncomfortable with their genitals. And then there seems to be like this social dysphoria. Like people are very uncomfortable being referred to as a man. And they seem to be separate from one another to me. Like sometimes people can have both and they hang out together. But then other times they seem to be separate. I, th- I don't know. I think, That's just yeah, an observation. I think there's something there. Like I do think they're separate. But I also think that the 
the justification to transition is different between the two of them because I, I did have both. Like I didn't like my male body and I do like my transition body far better. But like I said earlier, I also don't think that that alone is a good enough reason to transition. Just like if my daughter hates her nose, I'm not going to say, great, let's go and get you a new one. That wasn't right. the reason. It wasn't, I'm so sad that I have a penis. I want to be able to look at myself with a vagina. That, that, that's not a reason to transition in my mind. I would never encourage someone down that. It was, it was mm. the social side of it. And I would love to get your thoughts mm. on this piece because oh, okay. I was very inauthentic previously because I felt, I, I felt all of these things I wasn't expressing. And I know that for me that had formed a lot of shame. I had this huge shame bubble that I, I've been carrying since like I felt it as a kid, but when I was 12 years old, that was when I found the word trans online. It was like, oh, that's me. So like I, I've had this for many, many years and that made me behave very narcissistically, not made me behave, but I, I created a lot of narcissism out of that, um, which I didn't see at the time. My ex-wife's therapist actually saw it. She, um, my ex-wife was going to therapy because of our relational problems, but I wasn't gonna go to therapy because I was fine. And you know, within a few appointments, the therapist kind of di diagnosed me as narcissistic having not met me and mm. my ex, my wife tells me this and I'm just, of course, like livid. Like, how could she say that? She hasn't met me. She can't diagnose me and all these things. Um, but looking back now, I'm like, oh, absolutely. Like that's, that's exactly where I was. So I was in this place, deep shame. I kind of crashed my life down in many different ways, got to a point that it was kill myself or transition. And I thought, well, I might as well try transitioning because I can kill myself later if it doesn't work. And in my head at that point, I was in that very stereotypical, like, I have to pass. I'll try to transition. Hopefully I'll pass. And if I don't, well, then I can, I can kill myself. But what I realized through the process of transitioning was that I don't even know if I'd want to pass because mm -hmm. I lived inauthentically before because I had all these deep feelings about gender, socialization, all this stuff that wasn't salient no one could see it it wasn't visible and all of a sudden now people know something deeply personal about me that i can't hide which is an amazing way to make a connection with people because i i'm kind of i have to be vulnerable and i have to be open and that's allowed me to create connection and i hit this point thinking i don't know if i could get to the point that i would pass but even if i did wouldn't that be just as inauthentic because now i'd be pretending that i'm biologically female and hiding the first 30 years of my life from everybody I talked to and that would be just as just as inauthentic I don't remember where I was going to go with that <laughs> no so it, it sounds like to me that you don't want to pass because you are comfortable with the fact that you are trans there's a part of me that would like to because I think it would be easier it'd be nice to be able right. to go to the grocery store and just not stick out and be like okay whatever I don't have to face it here but in all of my actual relationships, the ones that matter, I, I think it's, it's super important because it creates that, it creates that authenticity and I have to be prepared to face it. I have to be pre prepared to be authentic, but by doing so, it creates these really interesting, well, just these. No. So it, it sounds like to me that you don't want to pass because you are comfortable with the fact that you are trans. There's a part of me that would like to, because I think it would be easier. It would be nice to be able right. to go to the grocery store and just not stick out. And be like, okay, whatever. I don't have to face it here. But in all of my actual relationships, the ones that matter, I, I think it's, it's super important because it creates, that, 
it creates that authenticity and I have to be prepared to face it. I have to be prepared to be authentic, but by doing so, it creates these really interesting, just these real friendships that I didn't have before because I was inauthentic. And I was going to relate this to our chat, but I forget. I forget what motivated this. It was something you'd said previously. I don't know. Right. And what, what it, what bothered me was, was the lying and that I didn't think that, that lying all the time is good for somebody. Mm Hmm. That probably, like that was, that's probably what I did post something about that, that lies are not love, right? Like, like lying isn't love. Like that's not how you love someone. Um, No, that sounds, it sounds like, and that, and I think that's, that's so beautiful. No, that's really beautiful, Julia. Like it's, it's beautiful that you're comfortable being trans. And by the way, people will eventually stop staring at you. I'm serious. Eventually, people people stop doing that. You know, but I'm but sorry you know that what? people stare at you. No, it's it's okay because I do think that a lot of trans people, though, the the critical social justice way of thinking puts into your mind that you're you're looking for that, right? You walk into a store, and somebody frowns at you, and you think, oh, they don't like me because I'm trans. When really they're frowning because they have resting bitch face, or they're frowning because they just had a fight with their manager. You know. There could be all kinds of reasons why that could happen, but it's easy for us to take our own insecurities and put that upon other people. And I actually experienced this a few months ago. I was at Old Navy, and I was there with my friends. And I'm very, very good at helping people pick out clothes because early in my transition, I was too scared to try on clothes in the store. So I would just go in, you know, you dressed in my great, boy by clothes. The way. Oh, thank you. Well, I, but back then, I would go in, you know, in my boy clothes and just like pick out the stuff. So I had to know what would fit me. So I had to be able to like lift it up and be like, yep. That's going to be my size. So I got really good at this. So my friends love to shop with me now because I can do the same thing for them. I'll just look at them and be like, okay, you're going to, you're going to be like a size 12. So I'm doing this with my friends and I'm, so I'm doing lots of talking. So, you know, often when I'm in a store, if I'm silent and people, you know, people don't necessarily notice I'm trans because who looks at people's faces, right? We all kind of ignore each other and just sort of do our thing. I'm a bit taller, but, but when I'm talking, people, people know. And so I'm, I'm talking a lot. And there was this one older woman who was definitely looking at me and I could sense it. And I was pretending I didn't see it and being all confident and happy but I was kind of like I feel awkward I'm being looked at and my mind did go to the whole I bet that she just doesn't like that I'm trans and she's judging me and then she came over to me like a minute or two later and she's like I hear you giving all of this advice does this look good on me and she just wanted she wanted me to do the same thing I was doing for my friends because she saw it and that was again one of those reminders of like there are hateful people out there but you need to not assume you need to not look for that like assume the best in people and the number of times I've actually had hateful comments given to me in person that wasn't on Twitter is like once or twice ever. Like it's so rare, but we just, I think so many times we're too scared to even put ourselves out there. And I don't know, well, I think curious. a lot of trans people are missing out. Well, I'm curious, um, because obviously I think some of my followers are going to listen too. What do you consider hate? Because honestly, yeah. the line for transphobia is so blurred that, that, I literally sometimes I sit there and I go, you know, <laughs> like, am I hateful? You know, and I like check in with myself. Am I hateful? You know, yeah. and I think that was actually what bothered me so much about my Chris Tyson post. Not to not to circle oh. it all the way back it was because I was so mad, you know, and I was like, oh, that's not good. But yeah, no. What do you consider hate? Yeah, it's a great question. I um. 
I don't like the way that the word hate is being used. That's something I've seen in what I'm doing here that it gets used to shut down conversations. If I don't like what you said, well, it was hateful or it was transphobic. I think that hate does exist, but that it's hate when it has contempt and disdain within it. So if you're giving, if you're showing me hate, mm. trans hate, for me, that's, there's contempt, right? There's that bite and that fire in you because of the fact that I'm trans, because ah. you don't like that I'm trans to the point that you're going to throw that flame. If you tell me, everything in this conversation. If you tell me that you don't think trans women should use the women's washroom, there's no hate. there was no hate in, in your voice. <laughs> there was no disdain. It's just, I don't think that should happen. I don't see, I, I think it's very damaging when we allow people to call that hate, that there was no hate there. It was just a difference of opinion. What do you think? Yeah, no, that, that makes, I guess that makes sense. I think intent matters. That, that, that makes a lot more sense to me because yeah, no, I am. Um, and just like, the fact that you got bottom surgery, to me, that tells me, like, that's why I have my stance on third spaces, no matter how much people push back on me and say, we shouldn't accommodate people. I'm like, well, we accommodate everybody. We accommodate disabled people. We accommodate this people. What do you mean we shouldn't accommodate people? Like, you know, th this is, this is, no, like, like, we live in a society and we're all not going to agree with other people's choices. But if we want to be able to have our own choices as adults, right, then we should be able to respect the choices of others. Like, for example, I hate plastic surgery, as I've said to me, like, like, a, a, a rhinoplasty should be renamed, break your nose and re put sticks up it and like put a little cast on it. Like, you know, I, I think I think there's a level of insanity there, especially when things can go so terribly wrong, like not to go on a full bone rant of plastic surgery. I, I watched a video about a woman who got injections, even injections, and it blocked a vein leading to her nose. And so it cut off blood supply. So you know what happens when you cut off blood supply? Things rot away. So this woman's like nose was like literally dying on her face. And I was like, why would you do that to your face? Why would you do that? You know, and so I can rail about that all day long. But when we talk about we're going to ban this for adults, I'm like, ooh, okay. You know, what else are we going to ban for adults that we don't like? Because there's plenty of things that I don't like, too, that I would like banned. Like I think, I think like I said, I think plastic surgery is predatory and... Um, I mean, unless you're like a burn victim, I don't think like, obviously there's, there's real good applications for that. Um, but I, I don't think, I don't know where I was going with that, except that like, no, I, 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 I think I see what you're saying. And I, I agree with you on that. It's, it's the freedom of speech and the freedom of agency that we have. And if you want to have that for yourself, you have to respect that for others as well. And that was something I discovered coming into this. I actually ran for school board trustee last year after the situation I mentioned with that teacher. Um, and as I did so, I met a lot of the individuals who were pushing back on the, I don't want to say the anti-trans side, because I thought they, they were all being called anti-trans. But as I actually came to meet them, most of them, if not all of them, were not anti-trans. And... I didn't know what they think of me. And, and many of them hadn't actually met a trans person because when you're labeled that way, not a lot of trans people want to talk to you. But as I got to know them, these are wonderful people who are now, you know, good friends of mine. And I wasn't even sure, like, are you going to let me see your kids? Or you can be like, oh, my kids can't see this because they're literally pushing back on the stuff in the school. But 
they all they, they come over they bring their kids we hang out because it's not it's not that they hate me it's not that they you know anything it's they deeply respect the the right of people to make their own choices and they know that if they want the right to make their choices then they need to let others make their choices and for their kids what they really wanted is just the ability to not have the narrative go the way it has in ontario where it's very much we teach kids we almost encourage them to transition in a certain way because we kind of put it out there like oh you know you're in kindergarten are you a boy or a girl are you sure maybe we should explore and they're like no we, we shouldn't explore that with those kids but they're perfectly fine for their kids to meet me because then they can just say yeah julia julia is a man but that that wasn't working so julia dresses as a woman and then the kids you know, are like okay any, whatever you know i don't care <laughs> if anything julia like to be honest with you i would look at you like if i were in this situation as a valuable resource for my kid because if my kid was like you know i don't think i'm the right gender i'm gonna be like well why don't we go talk to julia because you know julia is a normal person and, and julia has been made a very intentional decision as an adult and you know um and we can talk about it holistically we can talk about where it's been really great for me and we can talk about all of the downsides we're doing ivf right now and ivf is not fun for my wife and you know th th those things are important that's part of it it's not just oh yeah. this is great it's it has been good for me but it's not for everybody it's and that's where i think i differ from many people in the trans community that it seems like so many people are so into diversity that it's like just find your as you said true self find what works and live your best life and for me it's no if we can keep someone from transitioning that's better like i'd much rather have someone transition than die but if there's a kid who could transition or we can help them to love themselves let's do the let's, let's help them love themselves like it's not better to transition and that's where i'm so concerned is we're not that's not what we're teaching anymore right and you know like like i said and don't get me wrong a lot of the a lot of the gender affirming care really really disturbs me i don't know if you saw i know you don't see all my posts but that post about matt ray and um i heard from a friend i haven't done any digging yet that apparently when you give testosterone like your brain can swell and you know like i have a female sized skull right like I don't have a skull that can accommodate a, ma a man's brain right so I, I have to wonder if some of those like spasms that Matt's experiencing like have to do with the testosterone and Matt's detransitioning now because of the physical ramifications um, on Matt's body and so I, I think and the funny part about this is I would think that there would be more studies and more standards of care and everything else because the trans community keeps telling me over and over again that this has been going on since the 1900s. But to me, it seems like almost like women's health care, but worse. Like, you know how women's, well, you probably don't know this, but women's health care is, is deeply under-researched. Like, we don't do even you, know why. Why do you assume I don't know that? Whoa. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. I never That's mind. Okay. You're a genius. Um, you. you know everything. <laughs> I would, you know everything. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm just kidding. But as you were saying. But like, um, we don't even know what causes postpartum depression in women. Like, we have no idea. They have no idea. They, they just know what happens. And like, they throw pills at it. They have no idea why it happens. They don't know, like, they, women's healthcare is deeply under-researched and I feel like trans healthcare is like even worse. 
Like, and you know what turned me on to this is the different instructions for dilating, like for a vaginoplasty. Like apparently you go to one clinic and they'll tell you dilate four times a day. You go to another clinic, oh, dilate once a week. And then people are having like ridiculous complications from this whole process. Like, and I think one person was told that they'd only have to dilate once a week. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but that doesn't sound right to me. That's not like, the I'm general not, recommendation. Not, yeah. But you know what? Like, like th there doesn't seem to, to be any general recommendation. Yeah. And, and there's truth to right. that. You know, we know that there, that women healthcare is behind because for so often it was just, you know, white men that were utilized. And I think you're right. The trans is probably even further behind on that too. But I actually took a ton of physiology in university because I was going to be a dentist at one point. So, really? um, huh? yeah, so I, I took metabolism and I took anatomy and all those courses. And I remember my physiology course, there was this moment where we were learning about muscles and our teacher was talking about muscle fatigue. And she's like, you know, we don't actually know the mechanism of muscle fatigue. Like we know muscles get tired and, we know that when that happens, there's a lot of lactic acid buildup, but we know it's not the lactic acid that's causing it because studies have disproven that. So we don't really know why it gets fatigued. And we also know it's not the oxygen supply because you can do experiments where the oxygen supply is still up and it, you they still get tired. So like it happens, we all experience it. We know very well how to model it, but we don't actually know mechanistically why. And then I got to metabolism in third year and we started to talk about the Krebs cycle. And we were looking at one of the particular enzymes and same thing, it was like, we don't know what this enzyme looks like. Like we know it's here, we call it this thing. We know it, this comes in, this comes out, but we haven't figured out the structure yet. And I'm just like, what? Like this is glycolysis. This is one of our major metabolic pathways. We don't know this. And I think they do know that particular one now, but like, it's just all of these things that it's easy, I think for us to often act like we know everything about our bodies. and. Mm. Really, we, we know lots of things about the human species. Like, it's amazing how much we know, but there's also so much we don't know. Right. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think a lot of people, even the people who are, who are considered, like, hateful, who are saying, ban all gender-affirming care, I think, I think they're, they're coming from a place where they're actually disturbed by the fact. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's reasonable as a patient that you can go to one clinic and get a totally different set of aftercare instructions as from another, like that's not acceptable to me. Like, I don't understand how, how it, it's just, you know, it's like wound care. You know, if you go to a doctor and they tell you, okay, put rubbing alcohol on this and clean this three times a day, you should be able to go to the other doctor and they'll tell you, clean it three times a day and use rubbing alcohol. The fact that there's no like standard, like yikes. And then I saw another clinic that they were launching their first of its kind study um, on vaginoplasty and sex health after getting a vaginoplasty. And I was like, what do you mean? Supposedly they've been doing this, this surgery since what, 1930? So how do you how do you not have any any research on sexual function after doing a doing a vaginal? <laughs> like what are you talking about? You don't have a research study on that. You know? How do you know that that these I could go on and on, but um, <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm yes, no, I know we're we're right pretty off. much at time, but this has been this has been lots of fun. I've uh I've learned lots. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Um, I did notice, though, that halfway through, you referred to this as a debate. And I wasn't coming in for a mm. debate. I was coming in for a, for a dialogue. So 
I hope you didn't find this as a debate. No, I did. Yeah, I'll you, made, you mentioned the word debate midway through. Maybe, maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't mean that, which is totally fine. I don't like to debate, though. That's for me. That's I don't either. You see lots of debates online, and I'm like, no, I want to have discussions because it's so much yeah. more important. I think to find what we agree on and where we can find workability and how we can bring these divisions together than it is to be like, let's, yeah. let's focus on where we disagree and just dive deep into that one little thing where we, where we don't agree. No. And, and you know, I, um, I find you delightful. Like you're a really nice person. Um, I think I, I want to get to know you better. Um, this has been great. No, I'm serious. You're a really nice person. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad. So last week you made a post. I forget what you said, but something about, I think you've never met a trans person who wasn't a narcissist or something like that. And you posted it. And this was after we agreed to have this chat. I, I probably have it wrong. Do you know what that post was? The post said that my experience getting close to two different trans people was one that was not pleasant. Right. right. And like armchair psychologist Audra thought that maybe these people were, were narcissistic. Um, I'm also yes. a survivor of narcissistic abuse. So it's also something that I think I'm kind of like a little more to- in tune with. I grew mm-hmm. up in a household, you know, with, with a narcissist and, and the things that you can suffer with, etc. And then I said that my heart was still open <laughs> yeah. because I met a lot of I had a lot of trans people who followed me who are kind and pleasant and that, you know, my heart's still open, but I'm, I'm cautious, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. It wasn't a bad tweet, but I remember I sent you a private message afterwards and was, it, it made me excited to talk because I, I figured this would go well. And I'm glad that you want to get to know me better because I want to get to know you better too. Cool. Cool. Well, in that case, we'll end it here. And um, mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Bye.